0: Um, I'll lift this up because I'm fit. And that's where we're going um, uh, this morning. There's the link there. You see, this morning we're in the third week of our teaching series, Churches, and then we fill in the blank. And that blank's been filled in. But but other people do that, don't they? They fill in the blank for themselves. They they do that often um, without stepping into a church, but yet they have an opinion of the church. And then through this series, we're, we're looking at four metaphors, four metaphors from the Bible that describe the church, that give a picture of what it should be. And more importantly, then we're, we're going to look at what the founder has to say, what Jesus has to say, because his is the opinion that matters the most. And there have been two excellent talks so far. And if you've missed them, I really want to encourage you to, to listen to them on our podcast. See, in week one, for for those of you that may have missed them, in in week one, Leon said that the church is an unstoppable force, and and the metaphor looked at was the army. And then last week, Jane, who spoke excellently, uh, and she said the church is family, church is messy, and sorry, and the metaphor was the family. And then if you remember, she had a a tea table and not a dinner table, to demonstrate that. Uh, And this week, week three, I have a gym. You all know where I'm going because church is fit. And and this is my own personal gym equipment from my garage. And some of you, by looking at it and then looking at me, can tell it doesn't get used a lot. In fact, uh, the most exercise I've had uh, in the last couple of weeks was getting it up those stairs and here onto the stage But, you know, I really want to thank Jan Brown as well. She's done a great job in improving that. I don't use it a lot. It was dusty. I do use it occasionally, but she's cleaned it off for me. And just to prove that this is real, there you go. And I can run. And that's flat out, so I'm going to... There we go. Step away from the treadmill. So this week we're looking at church is fit and Andy said he nicked my gag earlier to explain to the youth that doesn't mean church is good looking or church is hot. It means that church is healthy and actually what we're really talking about is the body. The church is known you see as the body of Christ and as a result it, it should be fit, it should be healthy and to demonstrate that I said I've got some gym equipment. Uh, And the gym, it's really one of those funny things. Who's who's a member of a gym here? Who's got a gym membership? A few hands. Who actually goes to the gym? Yeah, a few hands went down there. A few hands went down because we don't use it. And statistics say that only one in every 10 people use their gym membership. You see, all gyms oversubscribe on their membership. But one gym in particular, it has over 6,500 members. Yet it only has the capacity for 250 people. That's incredible, isn't it? And they do it knowing that people won't show up. Knowing that people set out with good intentions, but also knowing they don't always last. And I have to admit that I'm one of those people. See, I joined a gym a couple of years ago. Uh, I thought I'd, I'd try and make an, an effort to, to get fit. You know, it was a, a gym. It had a, a heated swimming pool inside and out. It had a sauna and a steam room. It had hair dryers in the changing rooms. That's important. And then it had a, a Costa coffee and a, a really nice lounge area so you could relax after. It was great, and, and I had great intentions. And for a couple of months, I was really good. That's a lie. For a couple, for a couple of weeks, I was really good. You see, I'd, I'd have a, a good workout, and then I'd finish with a sauna and then a jacuzzi, and then I'd head home. But as the weeks went on, the workout time got shorter, and the jacuzzi and sauna time got longer. And then you know where this is going, probably. Eventually, I'd, I'd forget about the workout time, and I'd head straight for the sauna and the jacuzzi time. And then after, with a book, I'd spend hours in Costa coffee over a couple of lattes. I think I'm the only person that joined a gym and put weight on. <laughs> and to a lot of people, you know, the gym is serious business. It's their life. You see, they never miss a training session. Their diary revolves around their gym. See, for them, their body is really important. Everything they do is to fuel their body so that they get the maximum out of it. They take extreme care of it. They listen to it. They take pride in it. Their life becomes a sacrifice in order to strive for a better body. That's interesting, isn't it? That relates to a gym we should all be able to make some resemblances to the church here this morning. And I'll come back to the gym stuff a little later on. You know, one of the metaphors and Paul's favorite metaphor um, for, the, for, the, for the church is the body, that it's a body, one body, but with many parts. And we're going to have a look what that looks like this morning. See so if it's your first time in, in church with us, or, or you may be just checking it out, Stan, checking it out then then you've got a backstage pass this morning you've got a window into how the church should be and how it should function so you can sit back you can relax some of this will be relevant for you for others everyone else you need to sit on the edge of your seats it's not fluffy this morning we're talking about being united and church unity See, Jesus is the head of the church, and, and we're called to be the body. He builds it through his body, through people, through you and me, what he does in us and then through us. That's why it's important that we're one body, that we remain together to, aclump, uh, to accomplish what Jesus set out to do. Jesus set out his, his plan for the church when he, when he took his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, Leon spoke about that in week one. He took them to a place which was thought to be hell on earth to let them know that actually the real gates of hell would not stop what he's doing. It's here that Jesus announced his church. But it was a while later on the day of Pentecost, also a Jewish Thanksgiving day, that he began his church. It was, it was then that the family um, began to grow. Acts 2 tells us that and Jane looked at that so well last week but it's through his body that he maintains his church. That's really important. Jane said last week that Acts 2 was the best bit, the highlights of the church but the very fact that the rest of the New Testament is written proves the church wasn't perfect and in fact the, the church can only ever be perfect if it didn't have people. I know that as a pastor. I'm joking. I know that because I'm not perfect myself. But what I do know is, is, is that the church also needs people. You see, Jesus chooses to build his church through people. And it's quite easy, isn't it, to, to start something new, to have momentum for a while. Everyone's with you at the start of something. They're all, they're all behind you. But maintaining that momentum, it can be a tough ask. And that's because as people, it it doesn't take much for us to fall out, does it? To be divided. And we're all divided. We're, We're divided by race. We can be divided by social class. And then in the church, we're even divided by doctrine. It's as if we're looking for reasons to fall out. And the church in Corinth, it was like this. It was divided everybody was at each other's throats and the church was in chaos. It was a, a fairly new church and what made matters worse was Corinth. There was a, a first century city where anything goes. The people were known as the three people, free people but in the city there were 400,000 slaves. It doesn't sound very free. And then in the city of Corinth, there were 12 different temples made to 12 different gods. And the main god was a god called Aphrodite, the goddess of sex. And over 1,000 prostitutes worshipped in the temple by having sex. It was an immoral city. And that immorality had found its way into the church, and it was one of the things that divided them. The church was also divided by who it was following. Paul, the uh, apostle, uh, had planted the church. He started the church. But later, this guy, uh, Apollos, comes along. And this guy could bring it. He was a gifted communicator. People loved to listen to him speak. They would travel to hear him speak. He would speak about the deep things of God, the, the philosophical things of God. And some in the church said, you know what? Apollos is my guy. He's the man. He's got it. And I'm following him. Then there were those who who followed Paul. And Paul was more of a white collar, plain and simple kind of guy. He he wasn't a, a very eloquent speaker. He told it as it is, as it was. If you had a sin issue, you'd know about it. He'd tell you about it. And he'd tell you to solve it. He was a, a very much a in your face communicator but some people liked that because they knew where they stood with him and they chose to follow Paul but this caused division in the church and it's why he addresses the church at Corinth he writes to them explaining to them that they should know better that they're there for a, for, for something greater And if you have a a Bible this morning, we're going to have a look at what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. See, it started well. Paul, the apostle, planted it. He started it. Simon Peter, the, the great apostle, visited it. And then you've got Apollos, the guy, the man, the gifted communicator who spoke at it. But despite all of this, the church is in trouble. It's divided because it hasn't had proper maintenance. You see, it's shaped by culture. Instead of playing its part to shape culture, it's divided and not united. And disunity in a church is the fastest thing that will destroy a church. See what happens when that happens? What, what happens is we turn inward, we we pick faults and we fight against each other. And it can start small, and it's often about something small. But this soon escalates, and it rips the body apart. I want to leave you with that image. It rips the body apart. And this is what is happening in Corinth. And Paul writes to them harshly, but out of love, to help them realize what they're doing. See, they're arguing about stature. The the rich and poor divide is huge. And there are some starving people in the church and nothing's being done about it. They're arguing about women and the role they play within it. They're they're arguing about the importance of spiritual gifts. And because some can speak in tongues, they think they're more important than others. They're arguing about sin. There's huge sexual immorality that has come into the culture of the church because there's no separation from the culture outside the church. Then they're arguing about arguing. (laughs) <laughs> They're arguing with each other and some want to take each other to court and settle it there. It's a mess. And Paul writes to them to, to remind them that they should be one. And he uses this great analogy of a body to show that how they should be working together and not destroying each other. And how the body is, is made up of many parts, but all of those parts are needed in order to uh, make it work properly And effectively. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll start reading from verse 12. The the words should come up on the screens. 1 Corinthians 12 and, and verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Verse 18, this is important and we'll come back to it in a while. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. I can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Then we'll skip to verse 27 and it says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. That's a, that's a strong illustration, isn't it? A powerful reminder that we're one body yes there are many different parts with many different functions but they're all vital in order for the body to function properly in order for it to be fit and healthy and Paul uses the illustration of different body parts to show this he tells it how it is if a whole body were an eye how would it hear or if the whole body were an ear how would it smell anything it's great imagery. And I think Paul's a fantastic communicator, and he gives us this imagery to help us out. He he also reminds us that we should all be united because we've been united by one spirit, that we all have the same spirit, the Holy Spirit. And because of that, there isn't one part of the body that's more important than any other. Every part uh, is important and plays a part in how the body operates. And this relates to us here today. We have to be united because we all have a part to play. Everyone is needed in order for us to be effective. But, but what can happen? Uh, and we're going to go back to the gym. You see, there's, there's many that go to the gym and, and they go alone. And they do it on their own. This is their time to, to get what they need from the gym. They're there and it's all about them. See, they get on the treadmill, and I'm not gonna put it on again. They get on the treadmill, and they put their earphones in, in order to shut the world out. And for that moment, while they're there, nothing else matters. See, it's all about them. Head down, let me try. Head down, and they're running. The focus is them and what they can get out of their workout. They switch off. The world outside doesn't exist. But then, once they're done, they go back home and, and they sit down on their comfy armchair and they get their tub of ice cream and their chocolate out that's been tempting them in the fridge. But it's all okay, though, because they've been to the gym and actually they're going back we can be like that we can be like that if we're just Sunday Christians you see we can come and we can take what we need but then we go back home and we're tempted by anything and everything that's okay though because we'll be back in church next Sunday see we may have great intentions but there has to be more and there is more and it's for our benefit. You see, this is a lifestyle, and it's one that we do together, where we're a body, you know, where there's encouragement, where there's accountability, and where there's help when we slip up. And then coming back to the gym, those that do this regularly, those that go regularly, they know this too. See, and what they do is they get a personal trainer, someone who gives them that encouragement, someone who offers that accountability and someone who helps them out in order for them to get the maximum out of their body. And I think in church, we all need a personal trainer, someone to come alongside us, someone to offer that encouragement, that accountability and help when we need it. We all have a a role to play in that because we're all the, the body of Christ. See, it's not always down to one individual, but I do want to encourage you this morning and and maybe challenge you. Who's your personal trainer? Who's your personal trainer and who are you personally training? So who's your personal trainer and who are you personally training? Who's speaking into your life? Who are you doing life with? Who is it? That encourages you? Who is it that challenges you? Who is it that keeps you accountable? Who is it that you go to when you need help? And this may be one person, and that's great if it is, but the important thing is having a person. And then if we flip it, who are you doing that for? Who are you investing in? Who are you walking with? Who are you alongside? Who are you encouraging? And who are you helping grow in their faith? See, in the church, we we have a, a name for this, and it's discipleship. And it includes everything I've just mentioned. And it's how the church, the body stays fit and healthy. And that's because when we're all looking out for each other, when we're all working together, the body will really function effectively discipleship is is really important. And for me, it's one of the main ways the church is fit. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 19, not to just be disciples, although that is important, but to go and make disciples. And I think this is huge for the body today. See, in order for discipleship to work, in order for discipleship to be effective, we first have to be discipled and continue to be discipled. You see, Jesus first did that with a bunch of men that he chose. He first discipled them by walking with them. And when he did that, they became disciples. But it doesn't stop there. See, we're, we're to become a discipler. And I'm not sure if I've just made a word up there possibly have, but there are some words where the object and the verb are the same, and disciple is one of those words. You see, we are a disciple when we disciple others. The two go hand in hand. Disciple works for me, uh, and I hope you, you get the point. That is something that we constantly have to do. It has to happen, and it happens as we walk with each other. As we walk together, the cycle continues. It's how we stay fit and how the body grows. And this is done by exercising. You know, what we've learned and and what we are learning and simply passing it on. We have to make disciples in order to maintain what Jesus has started And I want to give you six things here, six things quickly that may help us to stay as one body and remain fit if we apply them. You see, a church is fit, is one body when it's there on the screen, when we walk together, but also then when we work together. And we've talked about the walking together. But when we work together, when we're all on the same page, when we're committed to the vision and the mission of the church we're in, it grows, it becomes fit. And we feel at this church that God has has given us the vision and the mission to to build a church where unchurched people want to come and where believers grow. And then to transform lives, communities and nations. And we all have to work together to see that accomplished. In fact, in fact it's, it's something that can only be accomplished if we all work together. You see, it's far too big for any one person to, to do. And that should be the case, because that's the beauty of church. All the parts of the body are needed to accomplish it. It's as we work together, we grow together, and it's win-win-win. You can think of work this morning and you switch off (laughs) because this is your day off, (laughs) you've come to rest. And I'm not really saying it's about doing more. See what it really is about is being more, being the body of Christ that he wants us to be. And actually when we all work together, when we're all on the same page, it's not really that much work at all. See in the gym, Uh, When you go and you lift weight, it's it's all about how much weight you can lift. That's the measure of a strong man. But in the church, it's not about the weight we lift. It's about the weight we all carry. When the weight is split equally, that's the measure of a fit church. When we all support the vision and the mission, the body will grow. And this happens when we come together together and then are called together. And let me explain. When we come together, the body is strengthened. It's what we're doing right here and now. And it's really important that we come together. When we do, we have the opportunity to speak life and hope into each other. When we come together, we're united in what we're working for. It shows that. And it's as we come together, we can really achieve it. And we should want to come together, not because we have to, but because we want to. Again, it's for our benefit that we come together. When we come together for things like prayer space, life group, vision gatherings, conferences that we put on from time to time, whatever it may be, we often leave feeling refreshed, inspired, encouraged, don't we? And it's how we grow grow when we come together. There is also power when we come together. There's power also in knowing that we're called together. Verse 18 of the, the passage we read earlier says that God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put each part just where he wants it. We are called together and God may have placed you here because you've got what the body needs to grow. It's your gifting. You've got what the body needs to grow. See, it it changes everything when you know you're you're the one called to do something. And, And I want you to know this morning that every single one of you has been called, has been called to do something. See, we're all called together to help the body grow. That's an incredible privilege, isn't it? And it does and it should change everything. See, it may be your smile. It may be your welcome. It may be your help. It may be your words that really speak to someone. We're we're called together to equip each other. And every one of us is needed for that. Then lastly, we're an effective body when we stand together and then serve together. It's unity is the most important thing in a church and we have that when we stand together when we stand up for each other and not stand against each other we have to be a body that stands firm that stands together we are stronger when we stand together see the world is is full of people that want to tear you down full of people that that want to destroy you you don't have to go far and and we see it all on the media don't we But this is something, guys, that has to stay out of the church. See, if we have a a problem with one another, there's teaching on how to resolve it. We have to learn to love each other and move on with each other. It's the main thing that separates us from the world today. And Jesus said, by the way you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Coming straight back to discipleship there it's by standing together that we're different but it's by serving together that truly sets us apart jesus himself said that he he came to serve and not be served and to the world again this makes no sense at all you see everyone is out for themselves so what they can get out of life and out of people but for us when we put people first what we get out of life is priceless See, there is nothing more valuable than to serve someone else. And Jesus knew this. Jesus did this. Jesus lived this. See, we are the ones rewarded when we serve. Not by the stuff we get back. Not even by gratitude. See, there's a sense of purpose when we serve others. And that's because it's our purpose to serve others. We should know it. We should do it. And we should live it just like Jesus. See, when we all serve, when we all play a part, this is what sets us apart from everything else. And I really want to encourage you, you know, if you're not serving in the life of this church, think about it. Even start it. You know, in this church, we have loads of opportunities to serve. And we have one, as Andy mentioned, with the Black Country Fun Run. We needed about 15, something like 18 people at the end of the first service preached on this and the, the names are full. It's full. We got 40, but, but Reb said 70 on the, on the DVD, so I'm going to go with that. There's still a, an opportunity to put your name down and to serve. That's an incredible opportunity, isn't it? To, to serve our community. And wouldn't it be great if we could take that whole marshalling over? The world would see that we're set apart, that we're different. For other serving opportunities within the p- church, please get in touch with us and we will do all that we can to help. See, serving's really important. We should all have a heart to serve and we want to help you serve where your heart is. That means in an area that you may have an interest in. See, when we all serve together, we're all served together if that makes sense. Our, our needs are often met when we serve. See, that the body is cared for, is looked after, and it can remain fit and healthy when we serve together. And as part of that, as, as, as looking after each other and as for caring each other straight after this service, there's a, a group of people um, that wanna pray for you for healing they're passionate about praying for healing. So if you're ill this morning, if you've got an ache some pain, it may be that a family member is ill, but you need something from God this morning, you need prayer for healing, then straight after the service, through the Haggrily room there, there's a group of guys that, that want to pray for you because they care for you. And, and that's how we stay fit, isn't it? And the church stays healthy. And as I close, I, I want to ask the band to come back and we're gonna finish this morning knowing that the church is here uh, for something greater, that we are the body and, and Jesus builds his church through the body, through us, through what he does in us and through us. We're here to represent Jesus. We're here to live for his glory and seek his kingdom first. And it's when we do this, it's as we walk together together, It's as we work together. It's as we come together and realize and stop doubting that we've been called together. As we stand together and as we serve together, that this body will remain fit. And then it will be added to and it will grow. If you want that this morning, if you want to be a a part of that this morning, then I want to ask you to stand. You know, in a a moment we're going to sing, but first I want to pray. This is your time for exercise and to get fit. You can stand uh, out of your seats. And I want to pray for us all. And it's a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples when he was with them. It's a prayer that they would be one. It's a prayer that they would have unity. And it's a prayer that is also for us in this church here today. That we would remain fit and stay healthy that we would be one body church is fit when we're one body so let's pray these first words are from Jesus himself this is what he prayed for his disciples this is why he prays over us now let's pray my prayer for all of you is that you will be one just as you and I are one that just as you are in me and I am in you. They're Jesus' words. It's what he prayed for his disciples. And it's what he prays for us today. That we would be one. Just as we are in him and he in, in us. We would be one. And Father, as we continue to pray, may we continue to be one. To be one body but with many parts and may we know that every part is needed that every part is valuable as the other may we know that we've been called to be a part of this body and and may we serve it in order to help it grow father we want to be a church that is fit we want to be a church that is healthy and a church that is on fire for you Help us to be the body you intended us to be. Keep us united because we've been united by your spirit. And Father, right now we ask your Holy Spirit. We ask your Holy Spirit to always lead us and to always guide us, we pray. Help us to stay fit and healthy in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen it's great we're gonna finish with a song that really ties all this together it's about actually realizing that we're living for something greater that we're part of something greater you know that we should be living for his glory and seeking his kingdom first